South Korea, my time there. This is going to be a discussion about that. I'm on my own this time, but the next few are going to be with people. This is kind of like my statement about South Korea, because if you listen to this, then the next few podcasts will make a lot more sense. As I talk to different people about it, you'll have an overview of what I think. And also, I just want to kind of have this on my own kind of like account of Korea, so I can hear about it in 10, 20 years and kind of remember what I was thinking about it at the time. Um... First of all, guys, you should subscribe. You can go to my website, richmagrain.com, and you can subscribe to the email. I mean, you'll get every news, uh, every podcast sent straight to your email, which is obviously an incredible luxury that you have in 2023. Secondly, I've also started a podcast with James Winterbottom, otherwise known as Icy, Rick and Icy. It's going to be coming out every Friday. We're going to have a chat about football and have a general laugh. If you want to hear me outsmarting him on a weekly basis, you should subscribe to that as well. Anyway, enjoy the episode. South Korea. Lived there for two and a half years and I've always wanted to do a podcast about it. Um, you know, it's a pivotal moment in my life and I had a tremendous amount of change on a personal level there. I also had some of the most incredible experiences and also some negative experiences. I was there during COVID and things like that for pretty much the whole of COVID. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So first I want to talk about things chronologically, just to give a chronological account of what happened. And then I want to talk about some of the some themes, things like, like, you know, teaching, where I lived, the food, what was difficult and what became easier over time, my favourite places, my favourite trips, my favourite memories, things like that. But first, I'm going to start with, you know, so I landed in South Korea on the 20, I think it was the 24th of October 2019, or maybe the 23rd, I started orientation, which is like an introduction to South Korean life on the 24th and we were there for about four days I think from like a Thursday or a Friday till a Monday and it, it was a big moment for me I mean it felt like we were back at university it was strange really because you know you were sharing a room with somebody which I didn't do at university but we were sharing a bedroom and then you know we were just in this big like complex and everybody was kind of acting like they were university as well like back in halls or something or you know your dorm I guess if you were American it, it was weird but I made a couple of really good friends there. One was called is is called Carl, and the other's called Alistair. Both of them are really good mates of mine to this day. I remember being really nervous at the time. I remember being homesick. I had some food and I was bloated. And then Carl gave me this medicine, putting my hands up, medicine in quote marks, because in reality it was just it, it, I threw up. <laughs> so he suggested this medicine, and I threw up. And I thought, who is this guy? Who is this guy making me throw up? Anyway, yeah, again, jet lag was really bad. And I remember even thinking orientation. I had some serious imposter syndrome. I was very nervous about the prospects of teaching. I, I still know, you know, there's people with real qualifications, you know, three-year degrees, masters, things like PhDs. And I'm here with a 120-hour online TEFL about to uh, try and go on that same endeavor. I mean, obviously, now I have about three and a half years' experience, so I'm much more comfortable. But, yeah, back then it was, it was very daunting. Anyway, so anyway, I did orientation. It was interesting. There were lots of things going on. But we had a bedtime. We had to be like in our rooms by like 10 o'clock. It was just astonishing. Like, you know, seeing them tell 35-year-olds. And at the time, I don't know why I thought being 23 made it less ridiculous, but it clearly did. Like telling people they have to be in the rooms by 10. You've got this 19-year-old telling you that. It was ridiculous. But um, anyway, yeah. They were like, oh, don't, you can't, you know, you can't be hungover the next day. It's like, I mean, look, there are some ridiculous people in TEFL. So you meet them while you're abroad and you understand why they have those rules. But, you know, it's still very strange for people to be telling you that. Anyway, so the first few months, 
I moved to John Jew. You, you don't when you when you apply with uh, the public school program, otherwise known as Ethic in Korea, you don't know where you're going to be exactly until you arrive. And a lot of the time, it's not till the day you actually get to the to where you're going to live. And that's the re- the reason is is because they don't want you to run away. A lot of people want to live in Seoul. And if they find out we're living in the countryside, they're just not going to go. Because a lot of people do end up living in the countryside. I had in my head that I wanted to live in the countryside just to prepare myself for living in the countryside. You know, Epic has... So the public sector, the public jobs, the public school jobs have huge advantages, like more vacation, probably a little bit more pay, really, when you add it all up. More dependability and pay as well, which obviously came very in handy during COVID. But you don't get to choose where you live, so you end up in the countryside. That's tough. But I was really lucky because even though I was working in the countryside, I lived in a city of 600,000 people. I was really lucky. So I ended up living in Jonju. And it was, you know, I was really lucky with that. And I ended up living on a street with 15 other foreigners, which once again, in hindsight, just felt like university. Like you'd see people walking down the street from your room and you'd start harassing them on the street, giving them abuse. <laughs> really funny. Like people you knew, obviously, like other foreigners, not randomers, um, not random Koreans or anybody I didn't know yeah but still I remember you know starting I had three schools a sports school wow that was that was tough because none of the students cared and there was no standards at the school during the time I was there uh, I had another school called Wanju Middle School which I met some incredible people there I had some very good students there but it was still a bit of a naughty school and a difficult time I also had a co-teacher who was a bit of a problem. And then I had Bongso Middle School, which I only ever taught there for eight or nine times because I taught there for like two months and then I got changed. I only went there on Mondays, but that was a really good school. Um, so they were all middle schools. With middle schools, uh, that's what they call them in Korea, but middle schools are literally like, kind of like high school in the UK for like three years. So it's like, I think like 12 or 12, 13, 14, something like that. Um, so it's not for three years. Or it might be, no, yeah. 12, 13, 14, or 13, 14, 15, and then they spent 16, 17, 18 in high school. So, yeah, something like that anyway. So that's like three years, um, and yeah, they work very hard. They all go to private schools afterwards, otherwise known as hogwams. But, you know, you're meant to be kind of like the fun teacher because, you know, they they have a lot of very boring classes, and then you go to... They go to your class and it's meant to be a fun class where they do fun things. There's a lot of advantages to that because obviously you just you don't have to worry too much about classroom management. If your co-teacher's in the room, they should do the classroom management. If they don't, you have to worry about classroom management. But yeah, um, in the sports school, for example, the co-teacher didn't come and I had to worry about classroom management. But because they knew nothing would happen if they didn't listen to me, it wasn't great. Um, I remember when I first arrived, you know, because it's different cultures, right? So in Korea, because they're in school for 15 hours, maybe about 12 hours a day, you know, it's not seen as too bad if they're sleeping in class, which is astonishing to us, but in reality, that's just the reality. It's also not seen as um, too bad if, like, they're wearing a hoodie with the hood over their head. To us, that's ridiculous, but to them, it's fine. Wearing the coat in class around school, again, because it's cold, it's perfectly acceptable. It's just different things you have to get used to. When, when you're telling off a kid, they don't look you in the eyes, look down. That's the polite way of like looking ashamed, like, oh, look down, I'll, you know, don't look at them, look down. That's the respectful thing to do. But when you first arrive, you're like, look me in the eye, I'm talking to you. And you're not even looking at me, you know, it feels disrespectful. But in reality, it's a different culture. You have to, you have to learn that some of the, just the basic, like, you kind of do sit there and go, why is it rude to wear a coat inside? I mean, we, there's a reason why we think that. But what I'm saying is, it, it just shows that there isn't one, isn't my way or the highway in life. Different parts of the world have different values and 
it makes you wonder, like, why aren't you know, is it as important, is this value I had as important as I thought it was? Silly values, you know, like, you should not wear a coat inside. I remember I actually didn't bring enough money. So I remember, like, on the final day, I had four pounds left in cash. It was really bad. And then I remember, like, finally getting paid. And it was, like, the most relieving moment of my life because I'd actually lost weight because I realised I hadn't brought enough money and I didn't realise I could use my British debit card. So I was like, I've just got to, I've just got to live off bare bones. I was having, like, one meal a day. I think I lost about a stone in the first month. It was really bad in that sense. But yeah, it was very relieving when I got paid. I remember being like, thank God, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, on a, it's so annoying when you have money back home, but you didn't bring enough, and then you didn't realize you could withdraw it. So I was just sat there like, uh-oh. But anyway, yeah, it was fine. But <laughs> when I got paid, I was like, if I don't get paid, I'd have enough for like one more bus. Because buses were cheap, but it was still like, I was still running out. Yeah, but after that, it was all... All going good from there, really. I mean, I made I made a lot of friends after a month. First month, it was a very lonely time. I remember I was really homesick. had massive imposter syndrome in school. I didn't bring enough money, which was a worry. It was a tough time. And then I, you know, but it, and I knew I wasn't a great teacher at that point. No one is when they first start. And it was really difficult. And then not having friends was also tough. But over time, I, I, I remember really things starting going in an upward trajectory from about the second month. I remember things got really good. And I started to enjoy myself and I started to feel more confident in teaching. I started to, you know, I didn't have to worry about money anymore. You know, I mean, I remember in January going on a holiday to Vietnam and Australia in February. That was both amazing holidays. I mean, I live in Vietnam now. You know, that holiday to Vietnam convinced me to move here after COVID. And actually, yeah, that kind of brings me on to COVID really, because I remember getting COVID hitting. I remember being in Australia when COVID hit and I remember it just reading in the news in Australia. 600 cases of COVID in South Korea. I thought, oh, wow, that sounds really bad. Should I go back to Korea? Like, if there's that many cases, is it going to expand and go out of control? And what I realise now is no. And I obviously went back to Korea. I decided to. But um, obviously now I know, but no, they were just using track and trace. And countries that weren't using track and trace didn't know it, but they actually had more cases. But, yeah, I mean, COVID was obviously a crazy time. You know, I remember, like, schools just not opening. But it was such a strange, at the beginning, it was so strange because schools were closed, but society was open. So I didn't go to school. I literally was meant to stay at home. I didn't. I was just getting paid, not working. And then I felt like I was like unemployed because I didn't do anything. And then I remember being called by one of my schools saying, we're not, don't come in for a month to stay at home. And they called me whilst I was playing bowling. And it was just so strange because it was like this paradox of, I could do whatever I wanted, but schools were closed. And obviously, you know, in hindsight, it probably wasn't great that I was at playing bowling. But <laughs> but um, I was allowed to. And at the beginning, I still hadn't, I think, fully realised how serious it was. Um, COVID. But yeah, you know, we still had massive gatherings. While other countries were locked down, we still had parties of 30 people. I was still going to clubs. I was still going to restaurants. I was still meeting friends at cafes. I was doing all these things while people at home were locked down. It was a bizarre, but I wasn't working, but I was getting paid. It was, it was fun. I'll be honest with you. It was pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a bad time. I'll be honest with you. Like, uh, you know, getting paid and not working for it. it you know, no, it was really fun. I mean, towards the end, I felt very unproductive. I mean, I do think all humans have a biological requirement to feel productive. And to have problems. And if you don't have the right problems, you start creating your own problems. And people were getting bored and getting... But 
it was still fun. And yeah, I remember going to Jeju. I remember like going on a holiday to Jeju and the, my co-teachers called me up and said, okay, don't come to school, but make sure you stay at home during work hours. And they were telling me that as I was walking to the airport to fly to Jeju, which is an island, a Korean island south of the mainland. I was like, yeah, no worries. And obviously I was, I was, I was going on holiday um, and was not going to be staying inside during work hours. But things did change. I remember it changed quite quickly, really. Masks started to become more serious. Then there was a person limit on gatherings. And then there was all sorts of, you know, just the normal stuff everywhere in the world after that. But because I was the only real native English speaker in my schools, and then I would only meet with one or two people in the evening max, Life did become lonely. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. And it was a tough time pretty much for all foreigners at that point because they were isolated at work and then they lived on their own and then they didn't see many friends and it was just very difficult, you know. But that's one of those things, like, obviously in hindsight, I understand those things, but at the time I was confused as well. I didn't understand why I felt so rough. But moving on, we went to... So now I want to talk about some topics. Let's start with teaching. With teaching, I... I remember my first class, it was not good, it was difficult. I remember my co-teacher, I could see her right in the back of the class. She's called Sue Young, good friend of mine, right in the back of the class. And I thought, oh, what is she writing? And at the time, we weren't friends. Obviously, we became friends, but, you know, I didn't really know at this point. I could see her right in the way her face looked worried. <laughs> and then um, at the end of the class, she said, can we have a chat? And uh, I had a little chat with her, and I remember she just slammed me with about 10 different things I need to do to improve as a teacher. Also, a lot of foreigners go to these countries to get a girlfriend and to sleep around. That wasn't me. I was there for the culture and the experience, but she didn't know that, so she also gave me this big talk about, you can get a girlfriend, just please keep on doing well at school. I was, I was really confused at the time, because I was like, I kept on saying to her, look, getting a girlfriend is not my priority in life. My priority is traveling, getting better as a teacher, and other things, you know, I'll just get a girlfriend if I meet somebody I like, otherwise, no issue. But now I understand her a bit more. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, and at the time, it was, like, really overwhelming getting all this advice. I was like, how am I going to implement all these things in class? But now I know. Now I just do all these things naturally. So it's a funny thing how things change over time and you consistently improve. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, mask wearing became very normal in class. But I'm not going to avoid all the COVID stuff from now on because I just don't want to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, I definitely grew as a teacher very quickly. And then I continued to grow, I think. I think the final year... I didn't grow as much as I wanted to, but I still think over the two and a half years, I grew massively and became a much better teacher. When I think about other things I loved, I loved football. I remember playing football at lunchtime with my students at Wanju Middle School, Gosan Middle School, and uh, Dong? Gosh, what's it called? Dong So? Dong? I can't remember. I'll have to check it up. Anyway, one of my elementary schools or primary schools in England, they... Um, they, they, you know, I used to play football with them too. And, you know, I remember playing it one time, the first time we played it at one of my middle schools. I'm not exaggerating. You were, the old, everybody at the school, every student in the school was rather playing or on the side watching. And they were rather like sat on the steps next to the football pitch or they were watching out the window. And then there was one of the students, <laughs> he got on the speaker. This is like, you would never do this in the UK, but in, the student got on the school speaker and started throughout the entire school commentating on the game. It was astonishing. And one of the my favourite memories in my life. Because it was so funny. Yeah. 
incredible. And uh, yeah, that school, go to middle school. I have so many amazing experiences there. And I have, a, again, another code, two code, both my code teachers were incredible, actually. Both of them were really great. And actually, uh, I remember I got given my Korean name. Yeah, a student, not in Gosan, in Wanju Middle School, gave me a Korean name, E Chandu, which means um, Richard and Dumpling in Korean, mixed together, because Dumpling in Korean is Mandu, so Richard and Mandu put together, E Chandu. Um, yeah, but everybody called me that, and I remember every time I had a first class of some students, I'd always reveal this, and they'd always find it funny. They'd always look at me like, what? Like, E Chandu? Are you crazy? And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And they were, <laughs> but yeah. Um, also, I love the food. Gosh, Korean food is incredible. I miss it so much. Dakalbi, donkatsu, kimbap, jajangmyeon, which is like Korean Chinese, uh, Korean barbecue or samgyeopsal. Uh, I know this isn't Korean, but there was a udon place near um, my house. Oh my God, so good. Korean fried chicken, wow. That is by far, honestly, amazing. It's difficult. I just thought fried chicken was fried chicken. And when I went to Korea, I was like, damn, this is sick. Mandu. Love Mandu for life. Uh, soju. You don't, not food, but soju and beer. Really cool. Or just soju on its own, frankly. Soju, flavoured soju is dangerous. Soju is an alcohol, Korean alcohol, subsidised by the government. The price is discounted. So it's 12% strength for about 350 mils. And it's about, of, of 350 mils, 12% strength if you get flavoured. And... It's about a pound in the, your local shop. Or you can get non-flavoured soju for 17% for a pound. It's subsidised by the government. The government subsidise the alcohol to make it cheaper for the working man. Wow, take that in. Anyway, yeah, and Jonju, I've already said, incredible. Loved it there. Uh, again, well known for its food. Wow, well known for its food. The Hanok village, which is like a local Korean, uh, traditional Korean village, really cool. And I want to talk about the... It actually kind of reminded me of, sorry, actually, John Drew actually reminded me of Liverpool a little bit at the beginning. But, yeah, it had a charm to it, but it also had, like, some cool stuff there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, 600,000 people, you imagine this huge city, but it is, in terms of its um, geogra geographical size, it's huge. Maybe because I, I actually lived in the old person area, so, and again, you know, sometimes I felt old, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have, because when I, even when I moved flat, I stayed in the area because everyone else didn't. I think after a while, I was like, damn, I should have moved somewhere where all the young people are, so I just feel young again, you know? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and then, if you think about that, there's also something I want to the challenge curve. At least I call it a challenge curve. Basically, when you first move to a foreign country, everything's difficult. You know, all of a sudden, you don't know how to cross the road anymore. You don't know how to get milk. You don't know how to get apples. You don't know how to order food. You don't know how to get a bus. You know nothing. Every basic thing you just assume to be a basic skill that's easy in life is all of a sudden you don't have it. You're like a child all over again. But over time, things get easier and easier. Eventually, there is no challenge. And that's an interesting thing because I think then you stop. You have to start searching for new ways to push yourself. That's where this podcast came from because I learned from that in Korea. And when I started to feel that in Vietnam, okay, how can I push myself again? And Maybe it's something I'll talk about in a future podcast with somebody like, how do you, when you move to a foreign country, at what at what point do you think the challenge curve starts to end? And what does that mean? How do you continue to push yourself? I think language learning is a key. If you keep on learning the language, you keep on challenging yourself. A lot of people, and including myself in Korea, actually, I kind of regret this, is once you learn enough to live well, 
you just stop. It's, there's less reward in doing it. It just becomes more of like a long struggle, <laughs> which isn't a good mentality, really, when you learn the language. But anyway, um, and I think in hindsight, and then actually Vietnam, I'm, I'm sticking to Vietnamese because I know that it's a good way to keep on challenging yourself and you gain a lot from it. And there's also other ways to challenge yourself. But yeah, things get easier over time and then things stop being interesting and difficult. My favourite places, very quickly on this, Seoul, Jeju, Busan, Yosu, Ulsan, Coastal Lines. One thing I'll say is Ulsan, if Carl didn't live there with Tegan, it probably wouldn't be in there. But I just had some amazing times in Ulsan, so it's in there. My favourite trips, oh, Goje. I remember going to Goje. I only went there once, which is an island on the south. And we did such a fun time. I went fishing for the first time, quad biking. We stayed in this cool villa. I remember catching fish and then eating them. Putting them out. I felt like a provider. I felt like a, a caveman back in the, you know... You know, like, I don't know, like, whenever cavemen were about, you know, like, I just felt like a man, you know. I was there, like, I caught these fish, and I'm going to cook them, and everyone's going to eat them, and I'm a provider, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Busan was amazing as well. And we're going to Busan for the first time. It just absolutely blew me away. Such a beautiful city. Massive, vibrant city on the coastline. It's just a very unique experience and incredible. I remember saying the hammock with Carl and Tegan. That, this was towards the end of my stay in Korea, and wow, what an experience. I remember we were sat there one time, Carl's face, I'll never forget it. Carl's there uh, chilling, and when we just see this monk who's been sleeping in the, uh, like, Hanok or temple behind us. We're literally sleeping in the building next to a temple. Hanok is a traditional Korean house member. So, and we just see this monk, and Carl's face is like, his jaw's on the floor, and he's like, all of a sudden he's like completely overwhelmed. <laughs> He's just overwhelmed by all. I mean, it was stunning. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was also. I think me and Tegan as well were both like, "Wow, this is this is a really cool experience" because it was so traditional. But in general, it was just yeah. But Carl in particular, like he he all of a sudden was like, I feel like he he was like one. If we'd stayed there one more day, he probably would have become a monk. Do you know what I mean? He was on that sort of level of inspired. Um, and the other thing is that comes to mind immediately is um, my second time I visited Jeju. Well, it was the third time I visited Jeju. The second time I visited while well, Danny and Melissa lived there. I mean, the first time I saw them was incredible. But the second time, the weather was a lot better, which is why I pick it the second time. But yeah, I mean, obviously when Danny moved to Korea with Melissa, that was just... It's difficult to even put into words, you know. They were the first people I'd really seen from who were like I was close with before Korea since... Australia, you know, so it'd been like a year and a half and it was it was so I think nobody was ever going to be as excited Anybody from home. Nobody was excited to see me as much as I was excited to see them because I hadn't seen any of them So I was so excited, but that team Danny and Melissa was incredible And the second time I loved it even more because Jeju had nicer weather this time did a lot of outdoorsy stuff I just remember it being really fun. We did like a long walk and stuff. It was really cool actually, you know, and this I would actually think about moving to Korea again because I I only really experienced it besides like three or four months. I never I never really experienced it outside of COVID. So it would be really cool for me to go back and do another year there. Um, I don't know if I will for sure, but it would be great to go back, do a year, experience it without COVID and kind of get the full experience because, you know, if you move to any country during COVID, it, you know, you didn't really get the full experience and that's life. It's not anybody's fault, but it would, for a country that's influenced me so much, I don't, I don't want it to be a synonym for COVID in my life where when I left, we still had to wear masks outside. 
And when I went back, that, you know, I literally flew back to UK and all of a sudden there was no rules at all. It was just normal life again. It was a strange thing because then all of a sudden, in my mind, career and life is ascending in for COVID, like I said. But in reality, that's not the case. And even though I have all these amazing memories, it would be great to kind of just really learn about career past COVID and also learn the language more because it is a beautiful language. And also have the food again because, frankly, I miss the food a lot. So, yeah. Anyway, um, so this one's on my own simply because the next one I'm going to be talking about Korea. The one after, I'm going to have a Korean on. So we're definitely talking about Korea. And I just kind of wanted to get my experience and overall how positive it was out there. And then, you know, the next one we're going to talk about some of the struggles that we had in Korea too. Me and Babsy, a good friend of mine. I had some amazing friends in Korea and most of them are going to come on at some point. So I'm really excited for that. So yeah, the next few episodes are going to be about Korea and I'm really looking forward to sharing them. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, if you listen to the end, you're a champ. And goodbye.